The church in which I grew up had several resources that became common to any of us who spent any significant time there. I'm sure that the children of Christ Church are just as much familiarity with their godly play boxes, which unfold the stories of our sacred text, as I do of our flannel cutouts that was used by my church growing up. If you aren't familiar, these are little sorts of pictures that you could paste onto flannel and move around the flannel board as you told the story. There are few parts of our holy text that will forever be locked in my brain, not in any sort of nuanced way, but purely as those simple flannel graph cutouts. And this, today's epistle text is one of those for me. I can still picture with surprising clarity the small shape of a soldier upon whom the Sunday school teacher put the helmet of salvation and the belt of truth and the shield of faith which could withstand even fiery arrows. It was a dramatic retelling of what you would need to put on the whole armor of God. And while it might be easy to transfer these metaphors from our text to pictures for kids to be able to understand, it's often hard to carry over any sort of nuance into what these might mean. Because in my memory, the picture of the soldier who was putting on the whole armor of God looked like a typical Roman soldier. The helmet was the sort you might see in Spartacus, the shield modeled after the same kind, made of leather soaked to withstand fiery arrows. But what this simplicity misses is how Paul flipped the modern dress of war completely on its head. Because you see, in our epistle passage today, Paul is writing these words literally in chains. He is literally imprisoned by soldiers wearing the armor of war. This imagery is not about us being right and others being on the wrong side of God's wrath, but rather pulls into Christian vernacular an image that is so divorced from the lived reality of these early Christians, and it forces a new perspective. Paul's letter to the Ephesians was probably written around the year 62, about 30 years or so after Christ's death. The people who first received this letter were the same distance from Christ's crucifixion that we are from the Oklahoma City bombing. The memory of soldiers dressed in the armor of war who pierced our Lord's side is still shockingly fresh in their memory. And here we have Paul telling them to put on this kind of armor, but the armor of God. I wonder what those first hearers thought of this image, of Paul's use of this hostile imagery to describe a path forward. I wonder if they immediately connected with it, only to struggle when they learned that the enemy that they would be fighting is not flesh and blood, but evil forces in the world. I wonder if they thought about how much easier, truly easier, it would be to put on the whole armor of the empire rather than the whole armor of God. Because you see these things, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, they are simply not present 
to make Christians feel powerful and in control. That is not and has never been what Christianity is about. Now, these are powerful defenses against all the things that pulls at our lives of faith. And I've spent quite a bit of time thinking about what our present-day belt of truth or shield of faith would be. And I think it comes down to something so simple and so difficult that I offer it to you without fully knowing if this is it, if this is right. But I think that for us, what we need defense against in our world today is defense against cynicism and despair. Now hear me when I say I do believe that there are evil forces in this world, but for myself and for so many I've seen, these things creep in when we lose hope, when we automatically assume the negative about others. There are so few truths that I know in this world. But I know that God is present with us in the struggle of this life. But even though I know that, I know it, I still struggle to maintain the hope that is inherent in that truth. I struggle to hold hope in the face of all the events happening in our world. I know that I am not alone in the heartbreak of seeing a young parent hoist their infant to an unknown soldier over a barbed wire fence. And in a war and an occupation that's been going on longer than half of my life, I struggle to see hope coming out of Afghanistan. I struggle to hold on to any sort of resurrection hope when I hear that entire school districts in Mississippi closed after a teenage girl died of the Delta variant just days after testing positive. When I think of the evil forces that we face as Christians in this century, I cannot help but to see and name how hope-weary so many of us are. And I just don't know. I just don't know how we will ever get ready to face such evil. And then I think about a rule we had in my house growing up. Like most rules, it was born out of necessity though I don't remember the exact year, and my memory might be filling in the details, I clearly remember my father enacting a you're never ready to leave the house unless you have your shoes on rule. Like most people I know, we never wore shoes in the house, and after one too many times of my brother or I declaring that we were ready to go to school, barefooted as the day we were born, this became family law. 
You're never ready to leave until you have your shoes on. You're never ready until you have your shoes on. When I think about how despair has crept into so many of our lives of faith, mine included, I've thought about this rule. Because in our epistle, Paul spends quite a bit of time describing the whole armor of God. Each piece gets its own description. Very specific. But when it comes to the shoes, Paul is much vaguer. It's vaguer, but I think it's almost as important as that family rule in our house. You're not ready till you got your shoes on. Because you see, Paul instructs for the shoes of the whole armor to God to be whatever will help us proclaim the gospel of peace. Whatever will make us ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. We are never ready. We are never ready until we have our shoes on. The phrase that Paul uses here to describe this all-important footwear of the whole armor of God, whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace, has stuck with me as I feel the tugs of despair upon my faith in the hope of the resurrection. Whatever will make us ready. My friends, I feel confident that whatever will make us ready is first and foremost prayer. Prayer when the tides of despair are too large to fathom. Prayer when the hope of the resurrection and the gospel of peace feels nearer than it has in a long time. And prayer when we're not sure that we'll ever be ready. Grounding ourselves in prayer might be the only thing that will help us feel ready to proclaim the gospel of peace in this broken world. So this week, I invite your prayers. I truly invite them however they come, whether they are silence or loud screams in your car alone. God can handle them all. Pray on your own. Pray together with the people in your lives. Pray, pray, pray. And do whatever it takes. Do whatever will make you ready to deliver the gospel of peace. Amen.